It's episode 211 of Crack the Customer Code. Have you thanked your customer today? Have we got a guest for you today? I am so excited about this episode. Not just any old guest, but the sales lion. The one and only Marcus Sheridan is here to talk about how answering your customers' questions could be the secret to your success. Well, after 211 episodes, I believe we're at, uh, you know, this has all been about I am genie, hear me roar, but now we have a real (laughs) sales lion on the show. You're going to have to step aside, genie, I'm afraid. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) And Marcus is just fantastic. He's, He's covers so much ground in this interview. And we've talked about content marketing before, but I mean, Marcus is not just one of the leaders, and I hate you know, the term thought leader or whatever. He's truly one of the innovators. He's figured out the secret sauce because he did it in a real-world business. He did right. it you know, in a brick-and-mortar, you know, old-school, traditional industry, and he used content marketing. And his story is just so amazing. And I think even if you have never thought of yourself as somebody who needs to do content marketing or who considers it, this is just old-fashioned great sales techniques too. And he really walks through uh, really powerful techniques and tools that anybody can apply. So I get your pencil sharpened because you're going to have a to-do list after this episode. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) All right, well, let's jump right in. So Marcus Sheridan, he is called a web marketing guru by the New York Times. And the story of how Marcus Sheridan was able to save his swimming pool company, River Pools, from the economic crash of 2008 has been featured in multiple books, publication, and stories around the world. And it is also the inspiration for his newest book, They Ask, You Answer, which was dubbed the number one marketing book to read in 2017 by Mashable. It's 2017, so it's good to read it now. <laughs> and today, Marcus has become a highly sought-after global speaker and consultant in the digital sales and marketing space, working with hundreds of business and brands alike to become the most trusted voice of their industry while navigating the ultra-fast rate of change occurring within consumers and buyers today. So without much further ado, let's talk to Marcus. Marcus, how are you? Good, buddy. Excited to be here and chat with two awesome peoples. It's a good day. <laughs> wow, that's that's a nice way to start. Thank you, sir. <laughs> You're very welcome, Jeannie. <laughs> well, one of the things that we wanted to jump right into, and I know you've probably told this story you might be a million, it might be a zillion times now, I'm not sure, but it's such a great story. Um, for the listeners who haven't heard it yet, it's really remarkable, I think, how you really came up with and discovered this philosophy of they ask, you answer, which now you've you've detailed in your great book. So I'm wondering if you could tell us kind of where that came from and that original story. I never get tired of talking about it, Jeannie. I don't, you know, it's it changed my life mm. yeah, and, and it saved my business. And so I started with two friends, a pool company, a swimming pool company, 2001. And, you know, we, we struggled to grow the business, but we were growing it and things were going okay up until about 2008. And that's, of course, when the market just collapsed. And for pool companies, this was a really terrible time. Uh, luxury spending was way, way down. And lots of swimming pool companies went out of business. I can remember the day of the crash, within the next 48 hours, we lost five deposits. In other words, people that had put down a deposit that said, hey, I'm getting a pool, they withdrew it. And they said, we just can't do it. And so we lost a quarter of a million dollars in business in the first 48 hours. 
And then over the coming months, things started to get worse and worse. And by January of 2009, we were looking over the cliff of bankruptcy. And in fact, I talked to three consultants. They all said, Marcus, you should file bankruptcy. So that's the beginning of 2009. And that's also when I said, okay, so I need to generate more traffic, more leads, more sales than I ever have. I don't really have any money to do it. And um, we have fewer people to buy from us than ever because so many of these folks can't get a loan. And so that's when I started to read about what today we might call inbound marketing or content marketing or digital marketing or social media, blogging, all that stuff. And, you know, as I read all this technical stuff, my simple pool guy mind said, okay, so what you're saying is if I just obsess, keyword obsess, over the questions that people are asking, the fears, the issues, the worries that they have when they're considering a pool, and then I'm willing to address them, answer them on my site, on my website, through text and video, I just might be successful. And so I adopted what has now become the philosophy of they ask, you answer, which basically means just that. If anybody has ever asked you the question, you feel like it's your moral obligation to address it on your website. And to make a long story really short, it ended up becoming the most traffic swimming pool website in the world. And this month, we'll get about a half a million visitors. And over the summer, we'll average about 750,000 visitors a month to the website. Wow. You can't see it, but my jaw's on the floor. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Those are impressive numbers, sir. That's really cool. It's like, well, Yahoo, the, it's all like Yahoo numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That would be, yeah. In fact, probably at this point, better than Yahoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 you know, it, it's great because going beyond the numbers, today we're financially strong. We mm -hmm. saved the 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 business and in fact you know what's crazy is the we got so many leads from all over the country that I was just losing thousands and thousands of dollars literally a day over the last few years because I couldn't service those people. In other words, we could only install pools in Virginia and Maryland and so and so I, you know, we started manufacturing fiberglass pools as well. And so now we're a B2B and a B2C. We're manufacturing. It's wonderful. And the growth opportunities are huge. And I would venture to say that within the next seven years, we'll probably be the largest manufacturer of fiberglass pools in the United States. And it's just, it's just absolutely amazing. And it's the best part about it is, and I know we'll get to this, but the best part is, if you're listening to this out there in the audience, this is as B2B as it is B2C. It's a service as it is product. The principles of they ask you answer, they have legs in every industry. And that's what excites me the most. And such an incredible story. And one of the things I've noticed, you know, there's so much talk around inbound and content and all that and content marketing. Uh, but what happened was when they got to you, you know, enough of them decided to do business with you. And uh, you emphasize trust a lot in what you write and in your book. So tell us about the philosophy of your philosophy of why trust is so critical in sales and marketing and how, how content has helped you build that trust to take them from finding you to actually doing business with you. You know, Adam, I mean, trust is it's everything. I mean, when all is said and done, the only thing that really matters is trust. And in fact, if you took out all the fancy words in this space, call it inbound, call it content, call it digital, call it social, all those things. The one singular goal is that you, I, we were trying to engender more trust than the competitor. It's what we're trying to do. 
And if somebody trusts us enough, they just might give us their money. That's the facts. That's the facts. So it's the battle we're in. I don't care what company, business, industry, that is the battle we're in. That is the tie that binds. And so when we consider they ask you answer, one of the one of the activities I love to do with companies, it's it's really, really fascinating, is I'll say to to like we'll do a brainstorm with the entire team and each person has to come up with a list of the top seven reasons why somebody would not do business with them. Top seven, assuming they know they exist, right? So what's the seven biggest reasons why somebody would say, you know, Adam, we like you, we like your company, but we've decided to go a different direction. And what's wild about that is the follow-up question to that is once they've come up with a list of seven and some struggle with it, which means they've lost touch with their customer. But once they've done that, here's where it gets interesting. I always ask them, so tell me of the seven, how many have you addressed well on your website already? And the average, and I've done this activity with over 10,000 people, not exaggerating, over 10,000. The average number that they've addressed well out of seven on their website is two. I've never had a company have seven nor six. And so the average is two. And so what would happen if you took every major reason why somebody would not buy from you, which is fears, issues, worries, concerns, i.e. the reasons why they don't trust you, and you could eliminate them before you ever even met them face-to-face. That is the name of the game. That is the essence of great content marketing. And you would immediately be viewed as the most trusted source in your space because you'd be doing things that nobody else does. You'd be talking about subjects that nobody else is willing to talk about. That's how you become a, quote, thought leader, and that's how you generate trust. Wow, I feel like I need to already, like, what, we're seven minutes in, I feel like I have to go back and take notes. I know. <laughs> it's so good. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this is going to be, like, one of the times we have the show notes sent to us as, like, a to-do right. list. <laughs> exactly. Just check boxes next to everything. Um, that's that's an awesome way to look at it. And I've never thought about it that way. But one of the other things that that you mentioned, which I could really relate to, because um, I find that the world is getting so much smaller, which I love, because you can usually find out about people in advance, you can talk to them over video chat and all these cool things. And you really emphasize how when we meet for the first time face to face, it shouldn't be the first time Mm. that we see each other's faces or hear our voices like we should establish some relationship ahead of time so why do you think this is so important and how should we achieve this in the best way for today's world just love this Jenny. this is like this subject is such a big deal because you're right we are being vetted to death before they ever meet us um the book points out a famous study that a lot of people have heard of that says 70% of the buying decision is made before someone even talks to the company or a salesperson at this point. And if that's the case, if they're doing 70% of their decision-making, their vetting, before they talk to you, what does it mean? And how can we as companies take advantage of it? And the reality is they ask you answer, like you said earlier, I love how you said it's a philosophy because that's exactly what it is. It's a philosophy by which you live by, that, by which you communicate, by which you approach customers. And in this case, it is a sales conversation that we're having. You know, people call it content marketing, but ultimately this is a sales conversation 
Because we have to do things. If we have a business, we've got to generate revenue. Otherwise, we don't have business. Otherwise, we have a nonprofit. And we need to generate revenue. And so much of our conversation, like if you look at the digital marketing space, if you look at social, a lot of it has gone astray because so many people have wanted to talk about it not from a standpoint of how is it going to generate revenue. And you just have to do that unless you're Coca-Cola and you have unlimited dollars to spend on campaigns. And so if you look at a sales team at this point, right, let's just take a sales team for a second. I fundamentally feel that if the prospect sees your face for the first time when you're standing across the table or when you're shaking their hand, you have failed them. You have failed them because you have not given them the chance to vet you beforehand. Because like you said, Jeannie, they, they should hear your voice already. They should have seen your face. They should have heard your teachings. They should have a level of respect for you as an authority in your space. And if you've done that, the conversation that you have with that person is going to be dramatically different. And let me give you one super simple example. For the longest time when I was a pool guy, for years... I would knock on somebody's door when I had a sales appointment and I would hear a little kid in the background. I kid you not. It's always funny how this works. And the little kid would, <laughs> would, would yell out loud to their mom and dad, mom, dad, pool guy's here. Like I heard that for years. And then, then one day when we started to really integrate video into the sales process and, and, and shift our, just our whole philosophy on this stuff, I, I knocked on the door and I heard, Mom, Dad, the guy on the video is here. <laughs> and that was powerful. That was powerful. And then, you probably know where this is going, I started to hear eventually, Mom, Dad, Marcus is here. I didn't know this kid, but this kid knew me, and their parents knew me, and I knew whenever I heard that, I was going to have a dramatically different conversation when we sat down at that kitchen table. Boom. All right. That's just, that's amazing. You got to think. So your, your parents are sitting there showing the kid, the videos, right? With you in it. Yeah. What's funny about kids too, is they think if you're on TV that you're actually like from Hollywood in a star there, like so many kids would say, are you, you, you really are a pool guy. Yep. I really am a pool guy. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you're... there's power behind it. You know, there's power, there's power behind. Yeah. I really feel just video is this whole other like subject matter we could talk about for days. But I feel like at this point, if we don't show it, like physically show it, it doesn't exist. We can tell it all day, but if we do not show it, it doesn't exist. All right, Marcus, well, let's switch gears a bit. Uh, one of the things I really got a kick out of in the book was the ostrich marketing strategy. So uh, tell us a bit about what that is and why so many companies uh, gravitate towards it. I love the ostrich. You know, <laughs> it, it, there's this great, it's, it's actually a myth, but, you know, when people think of ostriches, that you know, the phrase is, you know, when I stick your head in the sand, right, like an ostrich. And as businesses, we do this a lot. We stick our heads in the sand when it comes to the most uh, important questions that customers, buyers ask us. And, and there's, there's a lot. I mean, there, there really are a lot. And so one of the things that I like to do is, um, for example... We'll, we'll do an activity with people where we say, write down the top seven reasons why somebody would not buy from you. And usually those are like negative things, Adam. They're like fears or they're like worries or, or they're questions or doubts. So we have them write down at least seven, 
right? And then the next thing that you can do is of those seven, you have to tell yourself, well, how many have I addressed on the website? And the average, the average business has addressed one to two on their website. And that's the ostrich. It's burying our head in the sand and thinking the problem will go away when in reality it never goes away. Mm. You know, there's a commercial out right now where they show a bunch of investors with their head <laughs> in the sand and then something happens and they all pop up and run off the cliff. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. That Ostrich happens like over and over again. <laughs> because they get panicked. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's a great analogy. Um, and one of the things that you also mention is this idea of disarmament. And I love that term because I think it's so appropriate here. So you say it's one of the least understood tactics. So can you tell us yeah, a little well, bit this about is that? Just a, it's a communication principle and it's um, really built uh, upon trust and psychology. And the, the easiest way to explain it is if you've ever watched a, a movie before where there's a hostage situation, you have the negotiator that comes in and tries to negotiate with with the bad guy, right? And the first thing that the negotiator mm -hmm. says to the bad guy is "Put your just put your weapons down and let's talk. And... The reason for that is because if your weapons are up, you're guarded, and you're not going to be able to have a line of communication. So that's a strong analogy, but it happens in a lighter way when it comes to buyers and consumers and our customers. Because when they come to us, they are guarded, and they expect us mm -hmm. as businesses to be biased and to just try to sell them versus teach or help them, right? And because of that, they're, it's almost like if you could visualize it, their arms are folded across their chest and they're leaning back versus smiling and leaning in. And so to disarm a potential customer, it all comes down to the way that we speak with them. And so let's, let's look at an example of this. So let's say that I was producing a video or producing an article or talking to somebody in real life that had asked me as a pool guy, okay, Marcus, so I've been reading all this stuff about fiberglass pools and concrete pools, and why don't you just tell me why I should choose your fiberglass pools over concrete, okay? So that's a, that's a very common question that I got, you know, thousands of times over the course of years of being a pool guy. Now, the thing about that is when anybody asks that question, they're actually expecting you to be biased. I mean, they think that you're just going to feed them the line that they've been hearing again and again. And so there is a best way to answer that, and it's through this principle of disarmament, and so this is how it might sound. So let's say I was doing the video, or I was doing the article, or I was talking to somebody. It might sound like this. You know, that is a question we get all the time. And it's a very, very valid question, because the fact is you don't want to make a mistake with this purchase. You got to understand this though. We only sell fiberglass pools. Despite that fact, we realize fiberglass isn't always the best fit for everybody that comes and talks with us. In fact, there are times when concrete is the better option. So what this video is going to do or what this article is going to do or what I'm going to explain to you is we're going to talk about the pros and the cons of both types of pools. And then by the end of the conversation, you'll be able to decide which is the best choice for you. And so basically, the disarming factors were this when we just when we just did that, Jeannie. Number one, I said, we only do fiberglass. So you have to, you have to 
like bring out all the elephants in the room. So I said, we only do fiberglass. We recognize mm -hmm. fiberglass isn't always the best fit. In fact, sometimes con concrete's a better option. Those three, those are three elephants that no pool builders ever admit. Now you could use that example in almost every single business, B2B, B2C, service product, big, small, whatever it is around the world. It's the same thing every single day. And if you can come across as the disarmer, you're going to win way more deals than if you did not. You know what that reminds me of, Marcus, is uh, the progressive mm -hmm. insurance approach. Mm. How they said, well, we'll give you all of the prices, not just from ours, and we might not be the cheapest. It's, God and bless doing them that for that. Really, Jeannie, that is such a great example. Yeah. It's like the. I'm so glad you bring it up because here's how, uh, and it's funny they're they're called progressive because they're thinking very progressively with their marketing approach, right? Here's mm -hmm. progressive's mindset. Buyers aren't stupid. Yeah. So because buyers aren't stupid, eventually they'll figure out, oh, so Progressive is more and less expensive than these other ones out there. Just by knowing that Progressive is willing to admit that, we sense trust for them that we otherwise wouldn't feel for someone else. It's very true. It's And actually, I was working with uh, one of the big, competitors of theirs when they first came out with that and it disrupted i mean they were it it had never really been done before and everybody was saying what are they doing this is crazy you know and then the the competitors really had to catch up they had to figure out like we have to talk to our customers and our prospective customers differently than we ever have before because now they have all the information to, and to that really yep really great example happen. well what you just said like they had to catch up. And as businesses, we have a choice. Mm -hmm. We can either make the rules. Progressive did that. CarMax did that. And we, we see the examples over and over again. Or we can watch our competitors make the rules and then we follow them. But trust me, it's never better being, mm -hmm. it's never better being that second place, being the follower in this case. Because even if you offer the same option or the same thing, you didn't invent it. You didn't make the rule, therefore you don't have the credibility. And that's the perfect word, right. which is cre credibility. Right. I mean, I think nothing builds credibility or to your point, disarms somebody like telling them what you can't do for them. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, it's, 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 it sounds counterintuitive, <laughs> but it's one of the, I mean, when you talk to a client or when you're talking about the progressive example, which says basically, well, here, here's our lane. If, if we're a good fit, this is the lane we're in. Mm -hmm. We don't do this. We don't do this. We don't price this way. Uh, you know, that really makes an impact because they're like, they're not just telling me what you want to hear because we've all talked to salespeople and you're telling them, hey, we need this and we need this. And they're really complicated problems, right? Well, you know, these are hard. This is why you're talking to somebody and like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Oh, yeah, we can do that. And do you ever feel mm -hmm. reassured by that? Mm -hmm. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> right? well to, to your point, Adam, it's it's and I, I can't I think the book says this as well. And that is it's actually more important on your website that you and in your just general sales copy, that you have language that says who you're not a good fit for than who you are. Because for the most part, people mm -hmm. quickly gather who you are a good fit for. And so what happens is they're comparing you with, say, two or three or four other brands or competitors or whatever it is, and everybody's saying who they're a good fit for. So essentially, they're all lumped together, which commoditizes the thing, whatever the thing is. Well, the moment one person, one brand, one company says, and we're not a good fit for you if and then honestly answers that, they become, as Seth Godin would say, the purple cow in the field that everybody notices, and they say, my goodness. And this is where innovation, again, innovation usually doesn't occur 
with you inventing a new product or a new service. It comes mm -hmm. by selling it and messaging it a different way. That is the number one way to innovate in the digital world. Nice. Well, speaking of the digital world and how it has changed our conversations about everything, uh, let's close on this question that so many people struggle with, and I'm going to include myself in this because it, it is just something I, I have the hardest time with, and that's whether to... I know. I'm raising my hand, too. You can't Downside see of audio. <laughs> but whether we put prices or not on the website, I mean, obviously, if you're selling you know shoes, you do. But I mean, when you talk about B2B, and big ticket stuff and things that have, you know, nuance and packages that may change depending on this need or that need. So tell us about some of the reasons companies don't include pricing and why they might or might not. Oh, my. <laughs> this is, uh, in, you know, I mean, I think I've, I uh, have discussed this one topic more than any other over the course of six years. And, uh, and, and to really understand this, I'm going to ask the listeners just to work with me for a second, okay? I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I want you to just walk along with me as, as, as we're having a conversation. I'm going to answer for the listener, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of go this back and forth, right? So if I, was, if I was talking with a listener right now, and if I said, have you researched how much something costs online, let's say over the last year, everybody would raise their hand. And then if I said, when you're on a website, and you can't find any information about cost and price. What is the emotion you would ex you experience? And they would say frustration. And then I would say that is the F word of the internet. And then I would say, so what gives you the right in that moment to feel frustrated as the buyer? And then the listener would say, because A, I am the buyer. I'm trying to spend my money and I just don't have the time and I feel like they're wasting my time. And then I would say, so in that moment of frustration, do you stay on that website and say, that's okay. I'm sure it's here somewhere. I'll just keep digging for their prices, which is laughable, <laughs> right, Jeannie? Well, wait, the average, we, we find the average person will, will stay 10 seconds or less. And then I will ask you as the listener, I'll say, so instead of digging further, do you say to yourself in that moment of frustration, oh, that's okay. They're a value-based business. I get it. I will call them on the phone instead. And once again, we stopped calling companies. And so instead of calling them or digging further on the website, what we all continue to do is we keep searching. And then of course you search until what happens. And you would tell me until I find what I'm looking for. And then I would ask you, and once you find what you're looking for, generally speaking, that company gets what? And you would say, they get my business. And I would say, they get your business. If not your business, at least they get first phone call, first contact. And we all want to be the first contact. And we would all sit there and just sit on that for a second, right? And then I would say, but if we're getting to the core of the matter, the real reason why we get so upset as, as buyers, as customers here, is because we know that they know the answer. And because we know they know the answer and they're not giving it to us, or at least a sense of it, the answer, we feel like they're hiding something from us. And the moment we feel like anybody is hiding anything from us online or off, we're gone. Trust is gone. And again, that is the business we're in. And so... After we go through that conversation, I would ask the listener, so are you talking about cost and price on your website right now? If I was in a room of 100 people, 100 businesses, let's say they were B2B, 100 B2B businesses, 
less than five would raise their hand unless they're doing e-commerce, which really doesn't count, right? And so the question is why? How is that possible? And we justify it by three reasons. You said, why do we do it, Adam? Well, there's three reasons, and I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care what business you're in. Everybody says the same dumb three answers. First thing we say is, well, you see, we're more expensive, Marcus. And because we're more expensive, we just might scare them away. Well, what's funny about that is what we all agree actually scares us away is not seeing the prices, not seeing them, not seeing them, right? That's number one. Number two reason why we say it is, well, you know, my competitors might find out. Here's what's funny, and I've, I've done this with sales teams all the time. I'll say, so do you all have a very good sense as to what your competitors charge? And everybody would say, oh, yes, oh, yeah, we, we clearly, yeah, we have a very good sense as to what they charge. Okay, so if you have a good sense as to what they charge, they, therefore, that's right, have a good sense as to what you charge. So it's the big secret, non-secret. Everybody acts like nobody knows what everybody's charging, and everybody knows what everybody's charging. It's a joke. It's laughable. And when was the last time your competitors paid your bills? They haven't. And so the third reason why we say we can't talk about cost and price is we say, well, so, you see, Marcus, is a very customized solution. I mean, we're not selling a commodity here. Every job is different. There's a lot of variables that are involved in this process. Okay, sure, that's fine. But see, anybody could say that. And I would ask you if you gave me that answer, so could you help me have, get a sense for what would drive the cost of a project up? And you would say, of course I could. And if I came to you and I said, what would drive the cost of a, of a project down? You could answer that too. And if I came to you and I said, look, I've, got, I've gotten a lot of quotes. I've gotten a lot of, uh, I've been looking at the industry and it seems like there's this big delta across the board in terms of what you and your competitors are charging. Can you explain to me what makes some so expensive, some so cheap, and some in the middle? And you would say, well, of course I could explain that. And you see, when we embrace the philosophy of They Ask You Answer with River Pools, the first thing we did on our website is I wrote an article about how much does a fiberglass pool cost. And I said, you know, it's, it's a lot like buying a car. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of accessories. I talked about those options and accessories. I talked about the different packages. I gave really big ranges to what you might spend. But I said, ultimately, the answer to your question is it depends. But I explained it and I showed it. To make a long story really short, guys, because of advanced analytics, and because I know exactly how much each piece of content has generated in terms of revenue, that one little article that took me 45 minutes to write at my kitchen table has generated since the day it was written over $3.5 million in sales that I otherwise never would have gotten, and we never officially said how much a fiberglass pool cost. And the reason is because you can't, but you can explain the marketplace. And so if you go to somebody and say, now, based on that, could you talk about cost and price on your website? Almost everybody will then say, oh, wow, I guess I could. And last point about this. We have worked with companies all over the world, half of which are B2B. The number one traffic lead and sales generating content that they have produced for all of our customers across the board, for 90% of them, okay, is cost and price-based content. It's inarguable. The facts are in. The numbers are in. The votes are tallied. You cannot at this point argue with this. And so now everybody has a choice again. Am I the ostrich and let someone else hold this conversation and win? Or do I simply say, they're not dumb. They're going to find out. So I'm going to at least teach them the marketplace. 
Well, this is this is why Ooh, I I've know. got a big to do list. This is why we ask you answer, Marcus, because <laughs> <laughs> this is great stuff. <laughs> it's fantastic, and I think uh, part of me doesn't even want to release it because it feels like a competitive <laughs> advantage to know this stuff. Uh, no, so no, no, this was great. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, know, I, you know what the sad thing is? The people that were listening to that, all of them would shake their head and say, "Yep," but only one out of ten is going to do it, and that's what makes me sad. That's what makes me mm -hmm. sad, and they're going to mm -hmm. put a wall between them and the buyer, and that wall is trust, and it's so sad because that, I mean, what's on the other side of that wall is trust, and that's so sad. Because they could immediately say, I'm different, and they could own what makes them different, which in turn becomes a major advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I, th I hope all of our listeners really do have an action plan after this, because there is a lot to take away, and you just offered so much value and knowledge, and it's, it's great. So thank you so much for being here with us yeah, and you, for sharing all of this. Mm -hmm. And if people do want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way for them to find you online? Well, I mean, they can email me personally. It's Marcus at the sales lion, L I O N dot com. You can find me on Twitter at the sales lion. Um, my website, of course, is the sales dot com. And, and hopefully everybody listening to this will, will go to Amazon and get the book. They ask you answer. Um, it's coming out on audible here soon. Um, should be, you know, won't be too long and uh, leave a review, but it really is a game changer. I think when people apply the book, I've got just amazing response so far. I've been absolutely thrilled. Well, it is a fantastic oh, book. I great. can attest. And, and we will, yeah, I've been, we've been connected online. I don't even know. 2011, I think Marcus. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. yeah I've been watching time. the journey and let me, let me tell you just as a case study and all of our listeners go to the saleslion.com and you will see how Marcus executes on everything he just said in this interview. It's amazing. It's an amazing site. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Agree. And yes, we uh, we will, of course, include all these links in the show notes. So if you're driving in your car or something, <laughs> you know, know that that will be available for you. But uh, we we just so appreciate it. And, you know, best of luck with the book and with everything else. But I don't <laughs> think you'll need luck because you clearly have the right tools too. Yeah, thanks so much. So Mark. thank you, Marcus. My pleasure, gang. Well, I don't know about you, Adam, but I have a massive to-do list now. <laughs> and that includes rereading his whole book and listening to this episode several times because there is so much information in here that I think anybody can run with. And it's really exciting um, to hear him talk about it. So I'm really grateful that he was able to spend that time with us today. See, for those of you out in the audience, you don't know that Jeannie's actually speaking in code because she's trying to get me not to add more things to her to-do list and it's take true. them off of it's mine. Full. <laughs> Mine's full now, Adam. That was, yeah, right. Yours is full because of Marcus. Oh, my God. I, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I was taking notes on paper old school mm -hmm. because I, I had to focus on the interview. And I, so I actually had a piece of paper and was writing things down like as we were going, like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to look yeah. into this. Absolutely, truly actionable. I love stuff that's actionable, and this interview was from beginning to end. So we hope you had some great takeaways as well. Definitely. So thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks for listening to Crack the Customer Code, a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, then check out C-Suite TV and watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs. 
and it's all on demand. Get insider secrets by going to csuitetv.com. We really appreciate you being here with us. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Vork, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at customersetstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.